0: you're listening to bam political talk with bob albert and matt bring you rational conversations during irrational times i'm your host matt brown i have with me here albert kramer hey matt and Bob LaBeouf. Hey, Matt. Today is November 17th, 2020. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the aftermath of the election, the November 3rd election. Was there an election? There was an election. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn, I forgot to vote. Just kidding. Uh, I would make a joke about you being under, having your head under a rock, but I don't think that's far enough down. I think <laughs> you have would be like, in the Mariana Trench to have not been aware that there's an election going on. <laughs> I think there are probably indigenous tribes somewhere in Papua New Guinea who have never had contact with anyone else in existence, and perhaps they weren't aware. Sounds wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) But if they weren't aware, I'm sure there was a plane flying overhead with a big Trump banner trying to get their vote, too. Anyways, uh, Mm -hmm. there was an election on November 3rd, uh, and it appears that Biden has won. There are still uh, recounts perhaps going on. Uh, There are a number of different uh lawsuits that are coming out of this, things going to court, but it is looking like Biden is our next president elect. And a number of things that we talked about on our last episode came to pass and some of them didn't. Uh there were some <laughs> upsets out there. We were pretty sure that it was going to look like Trump was going to win on election night and then it would slowly swing the other way as all of the mail-in votes got counted. And that is exactly what ended up happening. It looked real bad on election night for those hoping for a Biden victory. It was very scary to those of us. Uh, and slowly over the next few days, the next week, it changed. So that's the that's the gist of the presidential side of this. Um, the other uh, the other two aspects, the House and the Senate, have a different story. The Senate. Is forty eight fifty right now? Republicans retaining control, possibly depending on how the Georgia runoff elections go, where they had two three way elections in Georgia, splitting the Republican vote, making it so the Democrats stood a chance. Um, and in the House, the Democrats lost seats where they had hoped to gain seats. So not looking good for Democrats on those two fronts, but looking better for them for the presidential race side of things. So I want to leave it there for now, and I wanted to ask you to what surprised you with this election and what major takeaways do you think you have from this election
1: georgia man i mean we got to talk about georgia i don't think anybody on on here maybe albert said georgia could go but i think all three of us i think it's safe to say thought georgia was a stretch and just seeing georgia and as close as it was personally shocked me how about you albert
2: yeah no I, I definitely think and ironically Georgia was the one that like the polls were the more accurate on as opposed to places yeah. like Wisconsin, which Bob you uh, very presciently talked about as being a lot closer. In terms of yeah. what surprised me, I, I think what surprised me is that the Democrats lost ground in the house that that really surprises me and I
0: think that uh, causes mm. a lot of problems uh, for the for the future. Well, you you also said right. to me, uh, you said to me yesterday, Albert, that this doesn't bode well for the Democrats in 2022, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, so the, the Democrats have a, a a margin in the House that is, if there's the average midterm sort of opposition party tends to do well, the Democrats will lose control. Usually on average, you know, you lose 20, 25 seats. So that doesn't bode well. And the other thing is, is that when you have a a, a tighter majority this divide between progressives and centrists and that whole continuous war that's heating up in the Democratic Party is going to make uh things things tough
0: sure sure bob what what else did you see that surprised you
1: yeah i mean losing seats in the house did surprise me a little i didn't think that it would be a huge huge blue wave as was predicted just based on past performance, 2018 was decent for the Democrats. They did regain control of the House, but in 2020, not like going going forward. There, um, I was kind of surprised that Republicans. I figured they would lose seats. The fact that they gained surprised me, but I wasn't that surprised to not see a blue wave, um, personally.
0: As I recall our end predictions for the last episode were talking about how it was unlikely yeah. that there would be a blue wave. I think we've seen that we've seen just how divided this country is right now and we've yeah. seen just how passionate folks are about Trump but also Republicans, I guess. Um and that's one of the interesting things that came out of this. Um Republicans uh, seemed to do very well in terms of Senate seats and House seats, but Trump didn't end up getting the reelection, which would imply to me that there were a lot of people
1: interested in voting for Republicans, but they just didn't like Trump. And those voices have been relatively quiet. You hear from Trump's base because Trump's holding rallies and a lot of down-ballot senators and representatives are beholden to the president. So they need to try to woo over those same voters and not um, be seen as you know, being traitorous to the a president in their own party. So um, I think a lot of that sentiment when the voter gets it to the private ballot box like i know i've i've cast some votes that would probably surprise some people some close friends but when you're in that privacy of that ballot box you get to do what you want and i think that's what we saw um getting played out but yeah to your point 47.3 percent of people americans who voted in the past election over 73 million votes went to president donald trump the President Donald Trump got 73 million votes and was the sec, that's the second largest number of votes of all time cast for a candidate. And Joe Biden, of course, um, is number one. Turnout was very high, which also surprised me a bit. I thought this would be another low-ish, I thought it would be higher than last election, but I thought this would be another low-ish turnout election.
0: Yeah, I, I figured with coronavirus going down, it would be a low turnout election. But I think people are feeling on both sides just how important this election was uh, from the current state of crisis in the country. And I think that's what led to such great turnouts. Um, we saw massive turnouts, speaking of huge turnouts, uh, in Georgia from, a, from supposedly Stacey Abrams getting Democrats out to vote. That's what most people are crediting the Georgia win with, as I've seen, just the the incredible get out the votes um, ability that she she had, uh, combined with registration, combined with registering a huge number of new voters.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think like Joe Biden's the number one winner here and Stacey Abrams <laughs> probably number number two, maybe number three after Mitch McConnell, who uh, probably expected to lose his his majority in the Senate.
0: Yeah, no. McConnell must be so pleased right now. After oh yeah. This has gone down. <laughs> He's very it's happy. I'm sure worse for McConnell right now. Do you think that Georgia Senate seats could go to the Democrats or do you think that those are most likely to go to the Republicans?
2: It's a it's a tough question, Matt, right? Cuz I think just the margins we've seen making predictions and and myself, you know, I think you were a little too kind. I definitely thought that this was going to be more of a blowout than it than it was Uh, definitely comfortable win in terms of popular vote in terms of the electoral college. But it was it was tight. Let's let's uh, let's be honest. I think in 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 Georgia, you know, it's not a presidential, you know, election anymore. And then you get into who actually turns out and is this turnout way, you know, bump sustainable for the Democrats in a historically Republican? I mean, I I think the Democrats have their their work cut out for them to win, not just once, but both of them in in Georgia. No, I agree. I think Mm -hmm.
0: um, part of the reason that um the democrats saw such a large turnout in georgia with the election was the ability to get out the vote against trump and i think that it's going to be very hard to do that a second time come january um i i I find it highly unlikely to to for them to pull it off even though they have a democrat running named Raphael warnock which is like one of the coolest names i've ever heard he sounds like a dungeons and dragons wizard uh that i came up with years ago Raphael warnock um apparently he was a he's from martin luther king's church um so it's pretty exciting if if that ends up working out but yeah i I find it very unlikely um that that up happening i think what it will
2: be is an interesting test of, and I know, Bob, you're chomping at the bit to talk about this, of, sort of how powerful <laughs> Trump is now that he is a lame duck. And, you know, is this a Republican Party that's like, hey, wow, our Senate candidates did better than our presidential candidate. Let's ditch this guy. And, you mm. know, we've got everyone afraid of those crazy socialists. We can really, you know, Tilt a tad to the center and and make up a lot of ground, or are you going to have mm. these Republicans in Georgia basically trying to show that they're the most Trumpiest of all because they think that's a winning strategy? And are you going to have Trump basically threatening to primary or support primaries against any any Republican uh, after after he leaves office?
1: Right. I, I do think, Albert, in that through that lens, I would certainly like the Republicans to try to court more center-left voters, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But in terms of like those Trump voters and Trump's base, those voters themselves aren't going away. It's just a question of what is the current political climate that they're living in. So I think that Trump, I mean, I'm not going to make any predictions about the Republicans in 2024 specifically, but what I will say is that those voters aren't going away, and somebody like Trump worked the first time and could have worked again under just a slightly different set of circumstances. And I think that the far left and the far right do a very good job at making the other side angry. So as long as there's still the progressive centrist divide on full display, I think that you will also see Trump's brand of nationalism on full display. Yeah, no, I,
2: I think that's fair, Bob. And, you know, what I wonder is, are folks going to think, wow, Trump came this close and if only he was a more competent Trump, you know, a mm, more competent candidate, yep. he could have won and let's just find somebody who doesn't have that crazy. On the other hand, you say, can you really have the Trump magic right. without that crazy, right? Like, I think that's going to yeah. be a really interesting sort of reckoning that's going to go on over the coming months.
0: Yeah, I think part of the reason that Trump had such popularity was the fact that there was a recklessness about him. There was a uh, a, a randomness, yeah. a wild card aspect to him, and I, I don't know if that could happen otherwise. Like, I mean, I, I guess we've seen demagogues who don't have that.
1: Let's be real; it's funny sometimes. Like he will he will go out of his way, like sleepy Joe Biden. Like, come on, guys, that's really funny. <laughs> like, that's pretty and the other creative nicknames, Lion Ted Cruz. Like, that is just. He And the the fact that he had press conferences up until the COVID pandemic um, outside of Navy One with a helicopter raging so that he could pretend he couldn't hear questions. Like, that's <laughs> funny. Like, yeah, like, it's not funny for long when you realize it's the leader of the free world that he's being woefully ignorant. But I mean, yeah. that makes a lot of voters encouraged to vote for him. So do you guys think
0: that the republicans are going to have to continue paying tribute to trump in order to pull in that wing of the party or do you think they're going to sort of let him fall by the wayside try to pick up some center left uh votes and try to uh yeah consolidate power that way
1: so i think i think they should whether or not they do i i think in the long term they will i think in the long term so let's look at 2024 right so like a tip. Let's look and let's look at a typical Trump voter. They tend to be over the age of forty, predominantly male. Um, I I won't say white because we saw some interesting demographic trends that I'd like to talk about a little bit. But um, that that typical type of a Trump voter is is somebody who is usually older, usually more well well off, and um, usually suburban those voters are going to become an increasingly small demographic as time goes on. And I think that Republicans will be able to start ignoring those voters just as they've largely started to really ignore evangelical voters. You don't hear a ton anymore about Republicans protecting gay marriage uh, sorry, uh, protecting traditional marriage for example. You do hear them talk about abortion, but less. I would argue I've heard about abortion quite a bit less in Republican circles anecdotally. And I think that's going to keep continuing to happen. So if Republicans want to make any challenges, there's going to be a gigantic opportunity for them to make some changes in picking up these voters who are afraid of what the far left is going to do, but still want a candidate that is going to be pro-business and socially uh, conscious. So I um, I listened to one of my favorite uh, podcasts while I was raking leaves this, this past weekend, Marketplace, hosted by Kai Rizdell. And... Um, I heard a very interesting clip that I wanted to play for our listeners tonight, because that clip really highlights, in about 25 seconds, this type of voter who was excited about voting for Joe Biden, but really was, like, concerned about where the Democratic Party is going. So, um, Matt, if you would play the clip, um, I'd really like to uh, discuss that. Sure, sure. I will actually edit this one in. Let's (laughs) (laughs) do it
0: now. (laughs) Right. So let's let's talk about the guy whose job it is now to, in theory, prevent it from going over the cliff. You are on the record on this program repeatedly as not having been a fan of President Trump's. Um, you like some of his policies. You don't like the way they are executed. As we sit here looking at the likelihood of divided government with President Biden in the White House in two months. How you feeling? Well, I'm certainly feeling a lot better than when we were talking in 2016 for a lot of reasons, not only because my guy won, okay, I don't have to gloat, but also because when you and I spoke, if you recall, and, and if our listeners recall at that time, I had people in the office crying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a lot happier that my guy makes people feel less afraid of their person, of their gender orientation, their sexuality, their religion, their the color of their skin. As far as policy... I don't know. I kind of like the divided government for a while, Mm -hmm. Kai. I think Mm -hmm. that I'm so afraid of the far left. And I think that in Joe Biden, you have this compromiser. So what if we actually have a centralist experience?
1: So that was Lisa Goldenberg. She's the president of the Delaware Steel Association, um, of of steel distributors, excuse me. And um, she is presumably an upper middle class or wealthy businesswoman who um, was a fan of Joe Biden and wanted him to win, knew that Donald Trump made a lot of people feel uncomfortable about their gender, sexual orientation, and yada, yada, yada. So so, so the social baggage that Republicans, a lot of Republicans tend to bring uh, to the table um but one thing that struck me was she's like i'm happy that my guy won but i'm so afraid of the far left and um that concerns me going forward so the type of voters that republicans really have opportunity on are are people like like lisa goldenberg this is somebody who might be a bit left of center on a lot of cultural issues but is certainly pro-market and is pro-labor and is um and is concerned about the well-being of her employees, her staff, and is interested in in, in in-market capitalism. So Republicans really need to capitalize on people who are interested in persisting the current market-based economy that we have as the Democrats continue to move to the far left and just get rid of the social baggage that they have. So this would become a more efficient government, liberty-focused Republican Party long-term. And if the Republican Party wants to see an election like 1984 with Ronald Reagan, they need a candidate who is going to grab a lot of those slightly left of center, slightly right of center, massive swath of voters, but you also need a political climate that's conducive for that. And in the current state of affairs, I don't see a way out of, in the immediate term, the current polarization that we're in, so don't expect a candidate like Lisa Goldenberg on the Republican ticket in 2024. But I think as we go further into the into the de- into the century, you can potentially see Republicans who might be more interested in doing something about climate change, um, more interested uh, less interested in preserving religious um, implications in our day to day lives, like traditional marriage and uh, being against uh, legal abortion, for example. I think that's where they have opportunity as the Democratic Party moves to the left. Um, but that's all dependent on what the Democrats do and the mistakes that both parties are going to make in the next four to eight years. Yeah, I was just about to say, couldn't the Democrats
0: drop the the left-leaning progressive side and start trying to go for all all these centrist voters that you're talking about here?
1: I would or argue maybe that's not possible because yeah.
0: they need to hold on to the progressives in order to push their agenda in the House and Senate. I
1: don't yeah, really they think they really need to hold on to progressives. I think one thing that progressives have showed us is how piss poor they are at winning statewide elections. Sarah Gideon was supposed to trounce Susan Collins by about the same margin that Susan Collins trounced her in a state that went for Joe Biden very soundly. So that is something that I think... As Albert mentioned, the vote splitting down the ticket that Republicans made, some voting for Biden, some leaving it blank, and then voting down ballot for their Republican candidates in the House and the Senate. Um, the I think that there are some Democrats who are also voting for Joe Biden, but not voting for progressive candidates. And I think we're going to start to see that play out. I think that this election was a win for Democrats. I also think that it was a big loss for progressives when you look at all the, all the elections that progressive candidates were in all of them lost i i don't know of one new freshman progressive that has that has made it into congress correct correct me if i'm wrong but i have not heard of a notable freshman uh senator or congress man or woman who has who has made it in in this election there's i a believe bunch. they all lost which ones no there's a, i mean i don't know specific
2: names unfortunately but like there's there's more folks on the aoc Kind of, kind of side of things. I mean, they wanted they won in like safe districts.
1: Yeah, know. safe gerrymandered don't, districts. Sure. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I, I think the most progressive senator we're going to get is Elizabeth Warren. I think at a statewide election, you're not going to get much more progressive than the pretty capitalist and left of center Elizabeth Warren. I think it's going to be very difficult for progressives to start winning statewide elections. So, so, I I
2: think that's an interesting uh, point of view, Bob, and I I, I can't refuted I also think for me personally I think the the jurys still out and I think both sides I think I think the question is going to be if you look at the Democrats is there like some irrefutable proof or are both sides gonna say like AOC is saying hey whenever you know my my folks won so that means that we should be even more progressive and then you're gonna have the centrist saying hey well all our folks that won in 2018 in those purple states they they kept their seats so therefore we should be more centrist I think if there isn't some sort of like Mm -hmm. definitive answer soon or some sort of narrative that forms really quickly, the Democrats are going to meet a lot of trouble because, you know, it's not the time for to be fighting amongst
0: ourselves or
2: amongst themselves, excuse me, uh, considering everything that's going on.
0: Do you guys think that Biden is going to be able to perhaps pull in Republicans if the if they end up losing the progressives in this fight? Do you think there's going to be a possibility for compromise with Biden working with centrist Democrats and Republicans? I, I,
2: This is this is me being maybe a little jaded, but I don't see why McConnell doesn't say on, you know, date basically pass one stimulus bill and then say, my job is to make Joe Biden a one term president, just like he said his job was to make Barack Obama a one term president. I, I don't see where all this... Is that just the way it works from now on? Like it, it, I think I, I think that's what the system rewards. Oh, and I think. Agree. And I think. Wholeheartedly agree. I, I mean, we have to be we have to be real. Right. We could very like to me, one of the most likely scenarios is the Republicans basically just try to gridlock everything. And Trump starts running for re-election in 20 for election in 2024. Now, that that's to mm-hmm. me, the, one of the most likely scenarios. It might not happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna have the same thing happen again with uh, with federal judges as well, with uh, blocking all possible but, federal I, judges.
2: Potentially, I, I think it could be it could be interesting. But if you're if you're Mitch McConnell and you were you haven't been punished, yeah, why not do why the not? same thing you did last time? He's good at what you, he does. You might not like him but yeah, he's good at that, what he does that's super
0: frustrating
1: yeah he really is like there's going to be a lot of books written about mitch mcconnell and probably some documentaries here and there and maybe somebody will get to play him in a movie or something but yeah he it's it's really changed the way of the senate and like he has really done well in these highly polarized and divided times politically as, as albert you mentioned the system when we're sort of in an anomaly since 1980 the two parties have given up control of both chambers ping-ponging back and forth every 2 to 6 years or so. But back before that time if you look at if you look at statistics one party would control Congress for decades and then it would finally switch because the parties had a lot more ideological diversity within them whereas now you get you get liberal democrats conservative republicans and now you're even seeing nationalism versus socialism start to form it's
0: funny i'm uh once again i'm hearkening back to the rome podcast here i'm just thinking about how (laughs) after rome stopped growing outwards there they they turned inwards after they defeated carthage and gained control of uh of all the mediterranean they turned inwards and from then on out it was mostly political infighting rather than looking towards external threats
1: Oh, so the solution should just be invade and take over Canada. Put them out of their misery and then we'll have plenty of more fights and something to get behind. Um, I think that would
0: solve the issue for about two years. Um, and then we would need to find someone else to fight. We'd have to find another pushover. Um, I want to talk about something completely different unless you guys have anything else you want to say about this. Go for it. Okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about demographic trends. This is something that Bob had brought up a little while ago. Um, the fact that you can't just say a Trump supporter is a white American anymore. It seems yes. like that is, that is perhaps the most likely Trump mm-hmm. supporter, but certainly he managed to cobble together a coalition among a bunch of different groups, um, people that I wouldn't have expected um, and probably should have. Um, For example, uh, Venezuelans and Cubans in Florida. Um, Do you guys think it's reasonable going forward for us to continue looking at groups, uh, ethnic groups or religious groups um, as voting blocks in future elections?
2: So, I mean, I, I think a smart political strategist wouldn't, right? I mean, I, th- I think this is going to be the end of referring to, you know, Hispanics as one monolithic group, right? Um, and I think that's probably a good thing, right? There's a lot of diversity in this country and, you know, anytime either party actually understands what its constituents or potential constituents are interested in, I, I think that's valuable, Um I think it's going to be, you know, very interesting to to see how this how this all plays out. And I think there's still a lot of. I I know I'm a little uh, cautious now. Maybe I, I feel a little burned, but I, I feel like we need to let things play out and sort of really sift through what what happened once everything's in and 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 get a good handle. Because there's some really interesting changes and shifts that are happening. And this whole de- you know demographics or destiny thing that the Democratic party had and how that was going to be why you know Texas was going to go blue in 2020. I mean I think that's been pretty debunked. But it doesn't mean that it can't mean, you know, lots of other interesting scenarios, right? Arizona, you know there's yep. <laughs> Georgia there's there's so many interesting things that came out of the election, but there's there's a lot that still needs to be unpacked in my opinion.
1: Agree. Oh, the
0: problem the problem here is Albert that our listeners don't want careful careful <laughs> quiet considerations they want bold predictions <laughs>
1: they want, i just told you trump was gonna trump trump is gonna
2: run for election of... in 2024 that's yeah, pretty good I, oh all right all right
1: trump, that's relatively give me something. Trump will certainly run whether or not he'll be competitive i think is another story um he certainly can be competitive but it's really too early to tell. It's really going to come down to how the pandemic ends, how the economy recovers, and how the, the for lack of a better term, although I hate using charged internet terms, um, how the culture war will progress. I mean, does it also come down to whether he's in prison or not? <laughs> I'm sure you can run for office from prison. I mean, you can, you can collect rent from prison in Monopoly, so I'm sure you can run for office in prison in real life. I think that's how that works.
0: It's like 50 bucks, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I assume he's
0: bought a bunch of get-out-of-jail-free cars yeah, in these last
1: He'll just pay 50 bucks and it'll be fine. <laughs>
0: God. Um, Albert, you brought up a good point with Texas um, not going Democrats, even though we expected um, that it would due to demographic changes. Um, I had seen an article just the other day talking about a county on the Mexican border of Texas Um, It's basically a Mexican town inside America, and they almost totally voted for, uh, uh, not Bush, (laughs) they almost totally (laughs) voted for Trump, uh, which surprised me a lot at first, but I read further um, into a couple of the reasons. One thing that they said was the fact that they had received checks with Trump's name on it that had been lifelines, Um, and another thing was the fact that they had um, the highest paying jobs in the town were all related to the oil industry so all the money that was flowing into the town was coming from oil and they were under the they were under the impression that a biden administration would be very dangerous to that so that's one example out of i'm sure thousands and thousands of individuals and towns making this decision not thinking about uh racism or anything Mm -hmm. like that or how he treats the people around him, but thinking much more about, how do I put food on my table for my children? Um, And I think that's something that a lot of people are missing right now um, in this
1: election i would agree matt and i would expand on that and i would say the main takeaway for our listeners when they're thinking about what motivates people to vote like we are political junkies on this podcast a lot of our listeners probably are too if not a hundred percent of our listeners we go out of our way to consume political content we go out of our way to try to make informed decisions we go out of our way to try to check our political identities at the door some of us a lot of voters For the majority of voters, that's not the case. The majority of voters who are politically active, most of them are blinded by their political identity. It's a huge part of who they are. They're voting for their party pretty much no matter what. And for the voters that are going to you know, ...make those informed decisions for themselves who are politically active, those are the extreme minority. The rest of the voters who don't really have a political identity, they'll vote occasionally, usually during presidential elections, with their own personal self-interest at heart. And that is really the main takeaway that I would like to give to our listeners is to say that, hey... Policy isn't enough. It's the cultural and social baggage that you bring with it, and it's also how you can relate to people on a deep level. I'd also like to point out that those counties that I was talking about on the
0: Mexican border were Star and Zapata counties. Albert, I don't know if you re- recognize those names of border Texas counties with Mexico from either the years of Lyndon Johnson series or the Exactly. (laughs) They were counties that were purchased by Lyndon Johnson in 1952, I think the 1952 election Senate election. So they are they are counties that are were notorious for being purchased um, by one politician or another depending on who could provide them more money. So Who knows if that's been quashed entirely, but that's another possible explanation for why they went so incredibly towards Trump in this election. This is how rumors start, Matt. Yeah, it is. All right, we are running out of time at this point, so I want to close this thing down soon. Um, I have one last question for you guys. Bob, you mentioned a little bit ago that uh, McConnell could be cast in a movie (laughs) soon. Who... (laughs) do you think would be the best actor or actress
1: for <laughs> that role of Mitch McConnell? <laughs> well, I played poker with a woman who looked like Mitch McConnell once. Um, <laughs> I hope she's not a listener. Uh, yeah, well, well, once I can go down to, back to Foxwoods and uh, play my uh, Omaha games, I'll have to ask her. Um, but <laughs> Well, you
0: should get her on this because maybe she has a voice for radio. Yeah. And a face for
1: radio too. Oh. Um you know, I am I am just bad with actors, so yeah. I'm gonna Google I'm gonna cheat and Google who looks like Mitch McConnell.
2: (laughs) Matt Matt, I I knew this straight from the start. Will Smith.
1: Will Smith.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My roommate, right? The 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 white uh definitely early thirties.
1: The white Will Smith. Oh, who's this guy? This guy looks like him. Steve Forbes! (laughs) Who? Steve Forbes, founder of Forbes Forbes. magazine, the businessman, ran for president a few times. I could see that. I don't think he's an actor. He's not, but he could play Mitch McConnell
0: in that case shouldn't we just get mitch mcconnell to play mitch mcconnell i
1: guess the question is like we're probably not seeing a movie about mitch mcconnell for at least 20 or 30 years and it'll be after he's dead and we're looking back with um nostalgia on this period in american history for some reason um so it's probably a young person i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with shia labeouf my long lost cousin shia labeouf (laughs)
0: there we go All right, <laughs> on that note, let's do some end-of-show housekeeping. Please share with your friends and family. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter with our handle at BAMpodcast1776. You can also email us at BAMpoliticalTalk at gmail.com. We are accepting questions. Oh, speaking of which, Albert, you said that one of the our listeners were going to have them some with questions, you. right? Yeah. All right, maybe for next time. Uh, rate us five stars or more on your favorite podcast site. Thanks for listening to BAM Political Talk with Bob, Albert, and Matt. Thanks for joining, Albert. Thanks, Matt. And thanks, Bob. Anytime, Matt. See y'all next time.